Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and inspire them with the power of your love. This morning, I want to do something a little different. I want to talk about our reading from the greatest prophet, Isaiah. We'll have to save the New Testament story about Zacchaeus for another time. I want to talk about Isaiah for several reasons. First, as a well-educated Jew, Jesus certainly would have been familiar with Isaiah. And in fact, we find Jesus quoting from Isaiah and reading from one of Isaiah's scrolls in the fourth chapter of Luke. So Jesus learned from Isaiah, and so can we. Second, the book of Isaiah is enormous, comprising 66 chapters. I think we need to explore how such a major portion of our Bible, written hundreds of years before Jesus' time, still speaks to us today. And finally, today's reading occurs very early in the book, chapter 1, as a matter of fact. By looking closely at some of the early verses in Isaiah, perhaps we can gain some insight into Isaiah's point of view, much like a thesis statement supported by subsequent arguments. Understanding some of these earlier passages makes understanding the remainder of this prodigious work a little easier. Note I said a little easier, but never entirely easy at all. And just for the moment, let's suspend the argument put forth by some scholars that perhaps the first chapter of Isaiah was written after the fact to make the book a more coherent whole. So don't come back at me with that argument, please. So today's reading begins with very harsh words from Isaiah. To my ears, his words are real attention-getters, like the crash of cymbals. He says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Isaiah is calling out to the political leaders, the rulers, of these places notorious for their sin, to listen to God's word. And then, how often do we hear the words spoken directly by God in our scripture readings? Not as often as you might think. Particularly when listening to the great prophet Isaiah, we would expect to read mostly Isaiah's words. But the Lord has spoken to Isaiah, and it's important we hear the Lord's words. So God says, What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? I've had enough of burnt offerings. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. God is saying, Stop it with the sacrifices. God even says, Stop it with the prayers. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. 
And then God gives further instruction. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings. Cease to do evil. Well, what is this evil that God is talking about? It is this. The evil God wants stopped that he sees in all of these activities that he doesn't want to see anymore. This diatribe of God's is about idolatry. God sees through the multitude of sacrifices and the burnt offerings for what they are. They are nothing more than self-aggrandizement on the part of those making the offerings. Were the people so self-absorbed and narcissistic to think that they could create a world pleasing to God through their own efforts? By offering something they had created themselves, they were, in effect, offering themselves. They had only created something that reflected themselves. They were their own idols. Therefore, God is saying loud and clear, that's not what God wanted from them. But fortunately, our passage doesn't leave us hanging. God goes on to say what God does want, and here's the list. Learn to do good, and here's what good is. Seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. God, in effect, is saying, I know you can distinguish good and evil because I know you can learn to do good. And the list that follows is what God deems as being good. And notice that this is not a discussion. God's words are very clear. As you learn to do good, you are to seek, rescue, defend, and plead. God is not saying, please do these things, or I think you should do these things. These are imperatives. And finally, God acknowledges that the sins God sees are, yes, through like scarlet. They shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. When you people learn to do good, This is what you can expect to have happen to your sins. Well, what can Isaiah say to us today? We need only look for 21st century paganism and idolatry, and then also at where there is good being done. We generally think of paganism as a belief in many gods as being opposed to monotheism. Depending on how one defines God with a little g, paganism could be anything in which people put faith or a belief that goes beyond themselves. Now, without seeking to offend anyone, such a definition could extend to superstitious acts performed by people hoping to influence the outcome of a sporting event. They wear a special hat or a special scarf or they sit in a particular seat. I know some of you are doing these things, so you can admit it. That's all right. (laughs) Or they're consulting with a palm reader or an astrologer or even reading one's horoscope 
to foresee future events. So much for paganism in this century. Idolatry, on the other hand, could be defined as the worship of a physical object or a special attribute as a god. Could also be an immoderate attachment or devotion to something. We commonly hear about money as being something for which people develop an inordinately strong attachment and pursue it for its own sake rather than as a means toward another end. It becomes an end in itself. A special attribute such as power over others is something that can be intoxicating and can be idolized and sought for its own sake. We can also think of various objects that are held up as symbols of social or economic status. One that exceeds, they can take on inordinate importance, exceeding or running a close second to God. So those are some ideas about idolatry in this century. So not only do we have paganism, we also have idolatry that Isaiah was talking about centuries ago. So in this first chapter of Isaiah, we've put before us some surprising words directly from God, giving very clear direction as to what God wants and what God doesn't want. According to Norman Potteritz, the war of monotheism against paganism and idolatry is the main unifying theme of the entire book of Isaiah, the war of monotheism against paganism and idolatry is the whole theme of Isaiah. I would argue we humans continue to create false gods mainly by idolizing ourselves when we fail to learn to do good. As for the good that is being done, as God instructs us in this passage from Isaiah, the categories in the 21st century are a little different but they're nonetheless comprehensive. At our cathedral, for example, and here's where I have a little bit of a commercial message, good is being done through a myriad of ministries that enable us to seek, rescue, defend, plead, and much more. Be sure to visit the ministry fair next Sunday to see where you might become involved or deepen your involvement in the life of the cathedral, and thereby help us all to learn to do as God would have us.